All right. Garrett Bruhog, University of Rochester, National or no, National Ignition Facility is in Rochester. That's in California. No, that's in California. Okay. We're the yeah. laboratory for laser energetics, which is the yeah. smaller cousin. Yeah. Is the yeah. best way to put it. Yeah. So <laughs> I've had on you now. Uh, I've had on a nuclear power plant operator, a nuclear fission, uh, I guess, I think PhD, and I've had on two fusion PhDs from Oxford that worked on ITER. And mm-hmm. with all of these under my belt, I can um, confidently say I understand fusion exactly 0% more. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little complex. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, in, in my mind, I, I looked at it as, have you ever heard the, it's like the description about understanding consciousness. It's like there's the hard question and the easy question. It's I think like, I've heard that before. It's like the easy question is, quote, easy in the sense that going to the moon was easy. Like, we knew what we had to do. We mm-hmm. had to get up there. We knew about orbital uh, mechanics. It was just like, can we master the rocket technology, the fuel, the efficiency, the staging? Can we come back? Can we? But we knew like what to do. It was just, it's like Mount Everest. We know what we got to do. It's but it's hard. Yeah, it's just can you do it? The hard question about consciousness is so the easy is like, it's not like how much computing power do we need? How many you know? How thinly mm-hmm. do we need to slice the brain? It's like there's a fundamental philosophical like where does consciousness reside it's yeah where do we find the intangible subjective sentience the i how does that arise from a bunch of protein right so, so i would definitely say that fusion is more yeah. in the apollo side of things and that okay. we definitely do know what to do okay and arguably depending who you ask and i'm definitely in this camp if you just gave us a ton of money like a dumb amount of money that's we could make it happen tomorrow. Yeah. You know, it's just, there's, there's um, the more important questions are not just so much. Can you make it happen? It's, can you make it happen in a, an economic way? Can you make it happen in a way that can make a power plant? Cause you know, it's always important to keep in mind that we, we first initiated. Um, so before we found fission, we found fusion. Fusion was done in the lab in the night, early 1930s. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Fusion was the first um, reaction. Fission came out of nowhere. Fusion was kind of predicted. People were like, I think that's going to happen. They were trying to figure out what powered the sun. And um, these, uh, it was, I think it was Cockcroft and Walton did it with a particle accelerator. They they were making, you know, one of the first particle accelerators and they slams, who knows, I don't remember what they are, but something light, probably hydrogen and lithium or something like that together. And they got a, an exothermic reaction and they went, hell yeah, there's this really cool nuclear reaction. Um, I think this explains stars. That's great. You know, people went down that whole path and it was, it's this thing of like, we've known it's there. We know we can do it. Fission, totally out of nowhere, left field. That's why it was such a big deal. And it's so much easier than fusion. Mm. But even then it's important to remember, you know, in the fifties we made the H bomb. Yeah. We can make fusion happen. Yeah. Taking it from these, laboratory curiosities these massive weapons things like stars and actually putting it in a way that matters Mm. a way that can um you know power 
things because also fusion is you it's it's industrially used there are industrial machines that utilize nuclear fusion to generate radiation to do other work that's that's happening what? every day right now what yeah fusion makes a lot of neutrons um like and medical technology yeah medical and industrial technology will utilize fusion for scanning things of neutrons um primarily industry although i think medicine is starting to get into it uh but it's it's been done for decades now and that's why that's part of why i'm in that camp of like if if we really really and we know we know some designs that like eater is a great example of you just make it big you just make it enormous and it's probably gonna work yeah you just start throwing money at it and it's probably gonna work but the thing is if you look at eater and I, i don't Want, I, I haven't seen what the Oxford guys had to say, but I can guess, um, you know, the big fans of Eater, it's a very exciting project, but Eater won't make a power plant ever. Not even that. You take, you look at the next steps, you look at demo, they're, they're the ideas for after Eater. It won't make a power plant. It will not be economically competitive. It will never, I don't want to say never, because maybe someone could pay enough money to make it happen, but it will yeah. never compete Hmm. against um, not only fossil fuels but it will never compete against renewables it will never compete against fission because the reactor is enormous Hmm. it costs way more than a fission reactor to make because you need these giant magnets you need all this extra technology if you look at a you you probably you have that fission operator on here A, a fission reactor is a big steel tank with some water in it yeah uranium and it just it just happens, man. Like, Good, you just, yeah. yeah, you don't have to spend a ton of money to make a fission reactor. Some of the new fission designs, like some of the crazy molten salt stuff and um, liquid or not liquid metal, but liquid metal cooled ideas and things like that. Those are even easier. They're not even pressure vessels. They're literally going to use like sheet metal to make the reactor vessel. And so you got to compete with that. Yeah. yeah. And on top of that, you have wind turbines, solar, and, you know, fossil fuels, which make everyone else look pathetic because they can yeah. they just stack money with how much energy they can make yeah yeah they they yeah they've that's the problem is yeah it's that's mm-hmm. what they talked about with eaters they were like they're like what, what what we're doing right now we're like they're like this is not like economically competitive this is not this is like we're tiptoeing into this new yeah you know, it's not like how cheaply can we put low you know satellites in a low earth orbit this is more like the x-15 we're like we don't even know what happens above a hundred thousand feet. So we're putting some guys in there, lighting this rocket, you know, probably every fifth one of them is going to die. Like, we're just like, you know, we bring it up on a B-52 and we're like, let her fucking rip. Like, you know, yeah, we don't know yeah. what's gonna, it's not efficient. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing that like mass producible about it. It's, it, but that's what, and, that's what happens when you're getting that pioneering. Knowledge. And personally, that's kind of why I'm, I'm not a big fan of eater because I think, um, a better option would be to fund a lot more designs and, and do okay. a lot more iterative, smaller scale work. And that's, that's more of an America thing. Um, the Europeans and the, you know, the, the more international component of eater makes a lot of sense. You have a lot of these smaller countries that can't fund sure. the sort of experiments, sure. don't have the sort of expertise. But if you look at the United States, we have multiple laboratories that are experts in fusion we have universities with different machines and we're starting to do that that's the cool Mm. part we're just not funding much money to it okay there's a whole really cool program called beta that just announced their winners 
And these are for small scale fusion experiments to try to push innovative designs forward. They're funding companies, they're funding labs. And that's, the, that's what I think the US should be doing. We should, we should take the beta budget and just like times 10, times 100. Yeah. And, and throw that money out there because we have th this incredible capacity to do this work that other, other people just don't, you know, the, um, we have as many national labs as like labs in all of Europe. And so, cause we're, we're the same size, right? Yeah. Like there, we're a con we're most of a continent and they're yeah. a bunch of little tiny countries. Yeah. Um, and there's some, there's some really, you should definitely look it up. The beta program's yeah. got some really good stuff. Um, to, to brag for my lab, we got, I think, three awards out of it. So yeah. we're going to, and we're, and we're supporting too. So other, we're going to help build detectors for other people. And so that's uh, pretty, pretty great stuff. Yeah. It's one, so something that the Jason Prezi and Justin Ball, the, the, the eater guys, um, they talked about, how there might even be like a little bit of because it's what you said so to show my lack of understanding of this i was going into you know the easy question and the hard question in my mind it was the hard question we don't even know what to do but you you, you enlightened me that it's we know what to do it's just we got we got to have you know boo boo bucks yeah and it's still hard the technology this yeah, is yeah. really hard we got to heat yeah. things up to incredible temperatures and pressures and maintain you know, handle unbelievable radiation and plasma fluxes, like th mm -hmm. things that just don't compare to, um, you know, I, I spoke with someone a couple months ago who's an aerospace engineer who was trying to compare it to aerospace. And I was like, no, orders of magnitude, man, reentry is easy. Yeah. You can use wood. The Chinese use wood to reenter back into the atmosphere some, for some of their early satellites. You can't use wood. You know, yeah. you can't use cheap. We're we're talking about tungsten alloys. Yeah, we're talking about liquid metal flowing over the walls just to protect against the environment. I mean, and yeah. we have to hold most of it off with either magnets or quickly pulse it with lasers. Like, yeah, it's a whole different ball game. Rockets yeah. are easy compared yeah. to this. <laughs> magnets, how do they work? Yeah, how do they work? Yeah, man? how do they work, man? Yeah, it's I never know what she's doing back there. Meatloaf, but like, yeah, it's that's that's what they talked about was um. What was I say? It's almost like so. One thing I brought up in my in my brute force approach is it's so like let's look at fusion. It's like the first you know a lot less is known about you know the crash course for uh, for getting the hydrogen bomb than we know the Manhattan Project. But the first the first what was it was it Ivy Mike? That Ivy was, Mike was the first um, real. Although there was fusion boosting before. That. Yeah. But if you look at Ivy Mike, like that wasn't like a, that wasn't like a deliverable bomb. I mean, it looked like a small warehouse. It was, Most it was, of it was the cryogenics to hold the liquid. Yeah. yeah. In there. But if, yeah, I mean, for anyone listening, go look up videos of Ivy Mike. It's, yeah, I mean, it looks like you, you wouldn't know. It's, yeah. I mean, inside you can see like the thermos bottle, but like most of it just looks like a, like a, like a corrugated metal, like hanger Like you wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. And we got we turned that obviously into smaller and smaller bombs to the point where now we can put multiples of them on top of rockets so mm -hmm. point of me saying that is it's because there was fear drove that it was a shitty joke i made that apparently i think is funny so i'll repeat it is like the only thing more efficient than fusion is fear like in terms of like driving something it's that 
it's, oh yeah that's what led to these things so it's almost like you know if you just looked at the first hydrogen bomb ivy mike so, and you're like yeah we're gonna put that on a missile no here's an even better example look at what happened from follow fission so okay. you go from nuclear fission discovered Someone's going to kill me because I'm probably saying the wrong name. But I want to say it's 39 is when they discovered fission in Germany. Lice, Meitner, Otto Hahn. Um, give all the credit to Lice because she didn't get the Nobel. Uh, and Hahn was a Nazi. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they discover it. Everyone freaks out. Yeah. Chicago Pile 42, I want to say, is when they get the first nuclear reactor. Discovery, first self-sustaining nuclear reactor, couple years nuclear bomb 45 they're already breeding plutonium to fuel those bombs they discovered plutonium in 43 bred it and made it into a bomb in that amount of time and then and then you already have in the 50s the first nuclear power plant starting to get built the subs subs. they they took this incredible reactor technology and shrunk it into a submarine and then they put it under the north pole (laughs) Mm-hmm. The Nautilus, right the Nautilus? Yeah. yeah, 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 and yeah, it's, and that's what I think about is like that. That's how you get it done. I mean, mm-hmm. so what and that was, was very fast iterative work. You look at the yeah. stuff done at Los Alamos. You look at the things done at Oak Ridge and Hanford, and later on when they um, built the Idaho site to start testing reactors, they were iterating very, very quickly yeah. between designs, and that's how we learned a lot. Yeah, and I mean. FDR, I can never remember the name of the guy that came to his office, but it was after, I think, 39, he came to his office and said, basically put it in, you know, in, dumbed it down. Yeah, they had the letter from Einstein. Yeah, the Germans are, well, it wasn't even the letter from Einstein. It's, he had got that, and if I remember correctly, um, not Bill O'Reilly, but his ghostwriter. Bill O'Reilly gets all the credit, but his, whoever the hell his ghostwriter is is fantastic. In Killing the Rising Sun, they talk about it. How it, it wasn't even so much the letter as it was also a mutual friend of Einstein, who was also friends of FDR, came back into his office and was like, "Hey, like this is this isn't just you know some shouting. This is like the Germans are going to build these. Like I'll put it in simple terms: the Germans are going to build bombs, one of which could get rid of an entire city." And yeah, so, yeah. Threw down two billion dollars in nineteen forty money. That's insane. That is yeah. insane. The Manhattan Project basically bankrupted the between the Manhattan Project and the B twenty nine. We basically bankrupted the United States to make that stuff happen, and no one even blinked. Yeah, you know that. You know the the current meme money printer go burr. Burr your money. Yeah. No, yeah. you can't just build a nuclear bomb. FDR. Yeah. Manhattan Project budget. You know they used all. So burr. one of the one of the enrichment techniques was these electromagnetic separators called calutrons okay and we didn't have superconductors back then i think i think it was known but no one had ever made superconducting wire or anything like that so you just need to make normal electromagnets with normal wire and you want the most conductive wire possible because you lose the least amount of energy to heat Hmm. so what they did is they went to fort knox and took all the silver out of fort knox Holy shit. And I, that's, that's like that's like still at Oak Ridge, if I remember right. Dude, but that's I didn't know that. That is an awesome fact. But I mean that shows the level of like the commitment, yeah. Yeah. But what drove that? It wasn't because we thought it was, it was neato. Yeah. It was fear, you know? That's what got us there. It's so I mean, you could argue the same with the fusion project. It was I never knew this, so they called it a 
they would write about it and they refer to the hydrogen bomb as um as um Campbell. Campbell as in the soup company, soup mm-hmm. as in super. So they called it they called yeah. it Campbell. But they didn't even want to do it. I mean, it's it's common knowledge that Oppenheimer and I believe a couple other the of the big heads from uh Manhattan Project were like, don't do this. They're like this, they called it quote, an evil thing. But one of the guys said to Truman, Well, no, Truman asked, Can the Russians do it? Or the Soviets do it. And whoever this guy was said, it's only a matter of time. And Truman said, quote, well, then get to it. And it was, we got to get this thing because even if we know that we won't use it, if we are civilized mm-hmm. people and we won't use these things, which are, these are not, uh, I think Truman said, these are not military weapons. These are extinction weapons. And he said, we had to do it because if we, if we don't have these as a t- deterrent, the Soviets will rain them tomorrow. Yeah. It's almost like, so let's, let's put where we are right now back then. What if, fu- what if fusion bombs were just this thing that had been an idea for 100 years? And there'd be guys like you saying, like, we could fund this tomorrow. Why are we doing this? And it's, that's where I, that's where I kind of think it's, we almost need, like, Russia or China to start producing a, a fusion plant because that's where you'll get yeah. the DOD. And it sucks that that's how the human mind works and that- Yeah, you, you need know. that, you need that. I, I honestly agree because we're slowly seeing that in the world of fission finally, where people have woken up and noticed, hey, Russia like sells all the reactors in the world. Hmm. They basically set the world standards. The US, US can say whatever we want and we just don't, no one listens. The Chinese are the number one builders now because they're building in-house. They're starting to export mm. reactors. And so those two are going to run the show and they're, yeah. they're doing a lot of innovative work there. And the U.S. has had this nascent want. You, you see all these little companies or even bigger companies that say, hey, we want to do something unique. We want to build these new types of fission reactors. We want to do all of this really cool stuff. And they kind of just get shut down the regulations aren't right there's no money for it and finally people are starting to go hey maybe we should you know in light of climate change and the the pressure from china and russia maybe we should try to step up maybe we should try to be the ones doing this because Mm. if you're not the one selling you're the one buying Mm. and if you're the you know you don't get to set the rules no at the rate things are going the iea which is the international atomic energy agency would start having all of their rules set by the Russians and the Chinese. And they're probably going to be perfectly safe, but do we want to not be at the table? Do we want to be ignored? Yeah. That's not how, it's not how we've ever successfully. And to to speak to what you said with China, the very interesting thing is China is, they're putting a lot of money towards fusion and and not eater, not eater their own. Well, they're doing eater too. They're in on everything. Yeah. Yeah. They've dumped money. They they put their share into eater, but they've also essentially copied every small fusion machine in the world and built mm-hmm. their own version. Motherfucker. Uh, and they're attempting to build bigger and bigger versions of uh, some of the more impressive ones. They will build a copy of the National Ignition Facility. They've said they will. Um, and they have plans to make it so it's not, it doesn't have some of the problems that we've had with the National Ignition Facility. They've also built a very large and impressive tokamak that was essentially um, a Princeton design that Princeton wanted to build and the government wouldn't fund them. And so the Chinese just took the drawings and built it, you know, as the, as the quote, as the uh, quote goes down to the Boeing on the foot pedal. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's what was that? What was it? Russia um, copied B-29s okay. and they didn't, the, I, I think this is a joke, but the way it goes is that they didn't know what was important. So they even copied the little Boeing mark on the foot pedal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shit. The, it's almost like, yeah. It's almost like when you're copying your friend's notes or something, you don't even know what's what. So yeah. You, you might as well take you know, it all, right? You just do the little margins in the side too. And it's not until you understand it that you're like, oh, that motherfucker was writing down a schedule. Like, yeah, it's, but it's, we almost need that because it's like, look, we're never going to have this, this, this building war like there was World War II because the only reason World War II didn't go nuclear earlier is because no one had figured it out yet. It wasn't that there was some restraint in that, like, we will only use conventional weapons. We were throwing everything we had. The only reason we didn't throw the brass knuckle punch is because we are still forging the brass knuckles. Yeah. You were never the, gonna, the only know. thing people were restrained on was gas, and that was just because of what happened that's in World be, War One. That was just because we it, we didn't it was that and was that's not to say win. it wasn't ready. The that U.S. Was, the U.S. Oh yeah, oh yeah, tons of gas. The and the Germans invented um, Tabin. One of the nerve gases. They had like a horrifying, relatively modern gas ready to rock and roll, yeah, and they, they didn't had, use it because they thought the Brits had it. And so they well, assumed that it would be a back and forth. Yeah. Well, well, they had they had tabbing gas, and we went in there with um, the Alsace operation, which was the precursor to the um, precursor to Operation Paperclip. Because Operation Paperclip wasn't just rockets. We went in there and we got all their. We got everything. We yeah. Otto Ambrose, the chemist. Yeah. We went in there. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this. We started mass producing tabbing gas, and then once we found out that they could also produce something called VX gas which is VX is what they made. They made VX after Tabin. We got rid of all of our Tabin plants. We were producing VX gas 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for several years, stockpiling it in the late forties and fifties because we knew the Russians got some of them too. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't that we were holding back. It was just, if they have it, we want to have it too. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's subject to wind, but whatever they're subject to wind as well. So yeah, it, you, you don't want to you don't want to handicap yourself, especially exactly. with where the Cold War was, where we knew if we if we were going to have World War Round Three, it was yeah. it was going to be something unbelievable. Yeah, it was you were going to need yeah. yeah you were going to need every tool possible. Everything, everything. Yeah, when you when you're finished nuking, yeah, drop in, dude. Our plans after the nukes to go off, we were going to have uh we were going to have spec ops guys like Delta go in in all these like ravaged ports in Russia, and we were gonna release like bubonic plague, Ebola, smallpox, as well as gas, because a lot of those things can be dealt with. They're terrible, but with modern medicine and quarantine, they can be dealt with. The logic was is there's not gonna be simple quarantining in a post-apocalyptic world. So Mm -hmm. these simple things will take over. All that being said is we're not gonna see, there's not gonna be some building up war that's like okay we someone's gonna have to master fusion well it's, hopefully not right <laughs> it, well hopefully but even if it did we wouldn't see it it would just be thermonuclear bang bang you're dead and then it would just be some world's powers hiding out in bunkers just yeah some disgusting radioactive stalemate for a hundred thousand years yeah you'd what you'd probably see is a rise of a bunch of weird powers i always think it's funny when people talk about um you know u.s russia nuclear war ends the world and sure, things like nuclear winter and everything else, horrible, horrible stuff. Humans are very tough, though. Oh, yeah. And the thing everyone forgets is, like, what, what nukes are targeted at, say, Brazil? Or Madagascar? Brazil, Madagascar? Yeah. 
you're gonna have you're gonna have yeah you're gonna have a bunch of weird countries that are like uh guys guys um i don't know what to make of this but i guess i'm in charge now yeah seriously right it's gonna yeah i know really it's gonna be like it's gonna be like those uh cinderella teams in march madness yeah yeah madagascar yeah you'd have like mexico Mexico is now the the world superpower because yeah. they got like one U.S. airbase that's still alive. Yeah, yeah. and th- and that will be like that will be godlike technology in an apocalyptic world on sticks and stones. And they got a couple like F four phantoms from the seventies. <laughs> They're like, all right, boys, welcome to the new Mexican order. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? It's gonna them, or it's gonna be it's gonna be some like South Pacific islands or something, or maybe yeah. uh, what's the northern in Indonesia. Yeah. yeah. All these nations that are, you know, pe- people really do forget that they exist and they're yeah. plenty advanced. They have their own yeah. industries. They do all their own stuff. Yeah. They just don't get into the, the nuclear dickwagging contest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, um, what's the northernmost t- uh, place in the world? None of, uh, it's called Alert. It's literally called Alert because oh. we, it's in none of it. it. I mean, it is, dude, it is so far into the Arctic Circle and it's, it's called Alert because we put an NSA station there mm. and we also put a, a, an early warning radar. They're gonna, yeah, alert's gonna come out big dick swinging at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, What's up, boys? But like, it's building up to that. It's almost like, it's almost like, you know, it's like war isn't necessarily thousands of bombers going at each other anymore. Now it's, now it's, it's cyber. And, cyber. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, there's, uh, there's, there's moves that, are meant to intimidate uh-huh. and political it's, stuff. It's, it's, it's a lot. It, it's all under the radar. Like, you don't really mm-hmm. know it's happening. It's almost like, it's almost like, you know, those fireworks that go off, you can see the big bright ones, but every once in a while, there's one that it doesn't, there's no color, there's no flash, but it's that like thud. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that's what modern war is. Is like, you don't, you don't see it, but they're just these ripples. It's economic, yeah. it's cyber, it's sabotage. It's, so what I what I, my idea, not not unique to me, but one that I sort of get attracted to is, it almost seems that like as as automation goes up, you know the B twenty one Raider, there are our replacement for the B two uh, mm-hmm. Spirit is going to have um, autonomous capabilities. Yeah, it's manned optional. Yeah, the replacement for the F twenty two, the sixth generation PCA, the penetrating counter air. Is going to be manned optional so we're getting to this point where it's like if we can automate those we can automate industry we can automate cars and we can automate everything let's say we can do automated telemedicine it's getting to a point now where it's like it's all starting to run on one currency it's not who has automation once automation becomes widespread and ubiquitous and permeates all aspects of culture and society and industry what's going to be the only thing that that differentiates it's going to be who can power it 24 7 well how do you power it 24 7 yeah some something else to keep in mind is that we do you know no matter what say the president says about this or whatever we do actually have a kind of war scenario that we need to get ready for and that's climate change you have to actually like handle that and national security at the most literal sense the Security Department of Defense of talks about it all the time, how they're, sure. they're very concerned. I'm sure. I mean, they're not stupid. They've got all those satellites. They got all every NRO satellite. Yeah. They've got ship looking at every spectrum. And they're, you know, dude, they can cross over images of the same plot of desert land and see when there was a footstep and when there wasn't. You don't think they're noticing when tides are receding or 
foliage isn't there in it. Yeah. There's great numbers. It's yeah. So it, it almost seems like, <clears throat> sure we could, you know, well, yeah. The only difference being is it just, does, we don't have this existential like us versus them sort of yeah. thing. That's easy to drive people. It's uh, what we kind of need. Yeah. It's more like getting ready for winter. It's like, if you were living in the woods, mm. we're at that point where it's like, winter is coming, man. Winter yeah. is coming and you better be ready for it. Yeah. But uh, unlike winter where, I mean, yeah, a lot of my family lives in, in, in New England. It's like, yeah, it's like you get a lot of wood. It's right. You, you know, you have storm windows. You have, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you get yeah. ready, you button everything down. You take the shit out of the lake. But the problem is, is this, this winter that's coming. It isn't this like, it is cyclical, but no one's been alive for the last one. Yeah. The last one was and, 10, and we, generations we, ago. Yeah, we like knocked the cycle around. You know, yeah, this is, fact, yeah we, we fucked with it. We turned down the thermostat or turned up the thermostat. Yeah. It's, and that's, that's the thing. That's, that's my actual hope for fusion. Because if you just look at, um, if you just look at like economic energy sure. consumption, if you just look at like current energy consumption, you say, okay, I want to use fusion. I want to power everything in the world. Hmm. Well, one, we got to electrify stuff. We got to make synthetic fuels. There's so many other challenges there to actually power things like airplanes and boats and whatever. But uh, you you just have a really hard um, case to make that you could make something that could actually economically compete there. It seems like the better option for just green, you know, getting greener is to go fission and renewables because they're hmm. there, they're easier. Um, and people are lazy and they don't want to put up with the other stuff. And, you know, I want, I want to burn oil to the very end to power my airplanes. I don't yeah, want synthetic yeah. fuels, things like that. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the advantage with something like fusion is that you get, you get mature fusion and you start making these big monster plants and you can do this with fission too. It's just fusion's got some advantage, some fueling related advantages that, um, you can see it, you know, you can see the appeal there is you just make these mongo plants and you make weight you don't assume that energy consumption is flat you assume we're going to go up yeah. like crazy yeah you know you assume like what's what's the meme uh it's like luxury gay space communism or whatever you you assume all the the soup you know everyone gets everything and, and you just keep making more and more and more energy because what you can do with more and more and more energy because one these reactors everything that makes energy scales up good Okay. Like if you make the reactor, you just look at fission. The really big fission reactors sell power for really cheap. Okay. Really big dams sell power for really, really cheap because you get all of Super these size. economies of scale. Yeah. Super and so you do this. Cost yeah, up. you do. You just do that with every source of power, and you not only sell power cheap to people to to allow for this amazing future, you know, automated future like what you talked about, but you use that power to geoengineer. You start pulling mm, yeah. CO2 straight out of the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, start, yeah, start, I mean, even just water. Just, like, stop fucking with the clean water. Start desalinating. Yeah, just desalinate on enormous scale. Yeah. yeah, you could, I mean, I mean, but that's the thing is, like, once you get to these unlimited energy sources, it then becomes, that is your only limiting mm-hmm. reactant. So it's, you know, and as things you go just on, build it bigger, build more, build a big, build more, build more of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you get 3D printers, you can start getting all the super complex shit for cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. I mean, the acidity of the ocean, you could yeah. just massive fix plant. it, just fucking massive. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take a hundred aircraft carrier sized filters, build them, power it with fusion because fusion is the energy is now free, right? So it's, I mean, it's not, it's not free, 
but it can be made cheap and it's portable right power to that's cheap the, to meter. Yeah, that's the quote, right? Yeah, that's yeah, the dangerous the dangerous yeah. quote that followed yeah. us forever. Hey man, it's a good it's a good fucking kick in the ass to have. It's, that's the hope though. And I those are the speaking of that, um, if you've ever if you've ever if you've never read the website Atomic Insights, I would very much recommend it. The guy's a fission person. He's very, very smart. Rod Rod Adam, I think. And uh, he's been posting for decades now because he tried to he tried to start a nuclear company in the nineties. Mm-hmm. That was not a good time to try. Nowadays, there's money, there's interest, you know, climate change, blah blah blah. But the nineties, no, oh, we were shit, man. Right when the Berlin right the Berlin wall, wall fell, yeah, that might be the time to pick up all that fusion uh, fusion material, fissile material. Yeah, well, there just wasn't the money there. No one, no one cared. Oil was cheap. Life was good. Get that black yeah. market money though. Yeah, things were different. That cash. He's got some really good stuff about that. And he actually talks about the too cheap to meter thing about, mm-hmm. you know, that it's a it's a quote that's been taken out of context, but he does bring up a really interesting um, point, something that you can do with a big power plant, like a big fission plant, big fusion plant, in that you can rather than you know, right now you sell power, there's a little meter somewhere in your house, and this little thing ticks and ticks yeah. and ticks and ticks, and they charge you how much power you consume. But these big power plants, they don't like to turn off. They don't like to meter themselves. It's, uh, it's a lot better if they're just running. Low end. Just, full, yeah. yeah, full bore. It's just like how your, your car engine's got a peak point where it does best efficiency. Yeah. So you can imagine, he makes this case that what you should do if you're, if you're powered off power like that, you should have a subscription service like how you do internet. Okay. You just pay a monthly fee and you pull as much power as you want. Limited data. Because it just doesn't matter. Yeah. There would be some cap. There'd be some, you know, if you start up a welding shop in your house, you're going to have to have a talk about different. uh, Buy a a business account or something. Yeah. yeah, You you have to talk about a different subscription tier. Yeah. 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 That's, um, that's his point is that you actually could have power too cheap to meter because he goes, he makes a very interesting case that the metering and the keeping track of it actually adds more cost than if you just yeah, do a yeah, subscription right. and yeah, just right. say, yeah. just say average person uses about this much. We have this much balance capacity. Um, just run it. Yeah. Just go, yeah. man. Yeah. Keep your lights on. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Burn it 24 seven. Yeah. No, it, it's, yeah. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be more expensive to have someone track it. Be like, dude, fuck it. Just let her rip. You know? Yeah. Like, right. You know, right now you're paying people to go check the meters. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's profitable. So, well, and fuel is exp- most power is fossil fuel based. Even on thing, you know, you look yeah. at like New York, you look at California. These grids that are really like to push their green cred- credentials, they are natural gas. Yeah, they, and natural gas in, costs money. Yeah, or you go plug in your fucking Tesla or something. I'm not shit on. I'm an Elon fanboy, shameless, but like, dude, all that shit's powered by a coal-fired power plant. You know, it's. It's, like, yeah, and that's that's why they charge because the number one cost in a fossil fuel power plant is the fuel. Yeah. That, that's it. It's you know a coal fired power plant needs a one mile train car full of coal every day. Eighty cars. Yeah. Yeah. You look at um, you switch to like a nuclear plant. Number one cost personnel. Yeah. It's literally the people on the plant. Yeah. The fuel is like nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I, I I looked up that statistic. It's you for the same amount of power. For the same unit or just total amount of power for uh, a year between a, a fission power plant and a coal-fired power plant. Coal is, yeah, a one-mile-long train car, a one-mile-long train full of coal every single day for 365 days. Fission, half a train car of uranium once a year. It's not 
you're not even in the same yeah you're not the same ballpark you're not and that's and that's with these 1950s design yeah. fission reactors yeah. you know these things don't even burn their fuel very efficiently yeah. if your car burned fuel like that you would take it back and ask for yeah. a new one yeah exactly it's so it yeah it's not only so i was thinking like this is one thing I remember thinking about when I was little, but in my mind, I imagined it would have been solar, but that's not important. The point was, is I, when I was, I remember being really young and I was thinking, not really young, I don't know, 10, 12. And I was thinking like, what would you do if you had unlimited power? And what's like the first thing you would do is you would replace personnel. So you'd make these, this was right when like iRobot came out, the movie, and it was, yeah, like, yeah. It was like 2035 Chicago. And it was like, this was like 2005, 2006. And I was like, yeah, you would get a bunch of these, the sunnies, you would get these robots. And if they could run on anything, you would just have them run, my mind, with solar. But here you could say just whatever, plug into a, a grid powered by fusion. Even, even means- solar, it should all be on the grid. If you look yeah, at yeah, solar yeah. panels, like the, this is a common misconception. Everyone goes for rooftop solar. And if you live in a place where power is really expensive, like you live in Hawaii, and there's good tax credits for it, and your power is dumb expensive because they're shipping in oil anyways, sure, do rooftop solar. It'll pay itself back. But mm-hmm. if you're looking at your, your normal power grid with your normal pow- power prices in America, rooftop solar is questionable if it's going to pay itself back. I don't know your no- local tax credits and whatever else might help. But in terms of actual efficiency, in terms of actually making an impact on carbon emissions, stupid. Mm-hmm. The, the grid scale solar is what makes sense. And the reason it makes sense is there is some dude whose job is to go out and make sure all those solar panels are clean in perfect operating condition. They're all they're placed in the best spot. Yeah, you know, your house has got trees. You got yeah. you might be in a rainy area, and you're you're basically being subsidized by the grid. Your solar is being balanced out by the grid. You're using the grid as a free battery backup. Even if you have a Tesla power wall or whatever, the grid is still doing the actual work to mm. balance you out. Mm. And that's I mean, that's why the you see these um these big utility scale solar, they built a big one in Idaho recently, which if, if you know anything about Idaho, it seems odd they would build solar there, but it, it actually made a lot of sense. The utility looked at it and they went, man, we can make solar really, really cheap here. They're selling it for like a cent a kilowatt hour or something. I mean, it's just dirt. Yeah. yeah. It's, but you could, so if you could get that, that solar, that fusion, that whatever, that, that too cheap to meter energy, you could fire just a bunch of, again, the first robot would cost a lot. But I mean, even now, look at Boston Dynamics. It's, do you get these robots that could soon just do anything? They are the personnel. Mm-hmm. And if you know, the next thing would be, all right, can these, what would the operate, what would cause, what would, what's the next big cost in power? And it's the, the cooling systems for supercomputers. So these would be what you create these new designs for, stronger AI, what, you know, climate change models, well, if you again, what could happen if you could power that entirely by this seemingly limitless energy? If you could yeah, have super, supercomputer power consumption is a really big deal. It's, it's an insane thing. It's an yeah, insane thing. Mega, like tens of megawatts of power for supercomputers. That's yeah. towns. That's yeah. cities worth of yeah. power. Yeah, I mean, there's even I didn't know this, but like some of the huge like Facebook and Google, that there are different server farms all over the world. They'll actually activate at different times. Because it's cheaper to do at night, because it's easier. Power to cool. is always cheaper at night. Also, yeah, because it's just it's easier to cool without the fucking sun beating down on it. I saw they were they're doing quite a lot of them in uh, Wyoming also because it's colder there and power's mm-hmm. cheaper. Yeah, shit. Yeah. So if you could just like keep 
knocking out. So this is how I looked at it. If you could knock out power for supercomputers and just run these fuckers all day, all night, you could constantly be creating stronger and stronger AI, better and better designs for whatever, deacidify the oceans, desalinate water, geoengineering, sucking carbon from the atmosphere. You could run all those calculations on these computers that are just running 24-7 for nothing. You could then have these mega structures that you would need. You could have these constructed by just these fleets of robots that don't need brakes. They don't have unions. They can go into dangerous areas. You don't got to worry about safety and all those precautions. Fuck OSHA. One of these is just a robot. Who cares if it falls a thousand feet or gets mm -hmm. grinded up by gears? Throw in another one. You got, you got a million of them. If we could just start to get to this point where it's automated, run by robots, not humans, and it's power. And this sounds like some insane Alex Jones rant, but like, no, really. I mean, if you could get infinite energy run by these essentially avatars of humans, and you could calculate it all for free, for free by supercomputers, mm -hmm. you could, you could, you can do something in the world. Stuff. You yeah. could shape the world. In so I got another, I got another one for you to think about. Sure. Yeah. Um, something else that you can do with uh, lots and lots of power is you can start getting resources from very interesting places. And I'm not talking asteroids. Getting resources from asteroids is questionable if it really makes sense because asteroids are very far away and you're yeah. spending a lot of rocket energy getting them. Million three, yeah. um, you know, asteroids, I, I'm of the opinion, asteroids only make sense if you're talking about resources for use in space. Yeah. But yeah. island hopping. Interesting consideration here. The ocean has lots and lots and lots of stuff dissolved in it. This there you oh, yeah. hear sometimes about uranium being pulled from the ocean, and they're almost cheap enough at this point. Oak Ridge National Lab's about four times the cost. They've done it for about four times the cost of mined uranium. Mm. That is very cheap if you think about it. Mm. Um, and so if you have more energy, you can start doing crazy stuff like let's just filter gold out of the water. Yeah. Or you can go for terrible rock formations. Like a, another example is granite. Granite yeah. has phosphorus in it. Right now, we, find, we mine phosphorus from phosphate reserves. I think we have something like 60 years of known reserves left. Who knows? That, that gets into a weird question of peak availability because uh, sure. usually what you tend to find, you know, the whole peak oil thing back in like the mm -hmm. 70s, what they found was as oil got more expensive, people just looked in more places and yeah. then they just found more oil. Yeah. So that's why the it's hard to predict peak resources. Yeah. The earth is big. The earth is yeah. really, really big. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one thing you can think about is rather than going into, say, whatever beautiful ecosystem where you're mine, you know, you, you mine these reserves, you can just go, mm, there's enough in this granite in this t area that's easy to mine. So we'll just, we'll just eat the energy cost. We don't mm. even care. Yeah. We'll process stuff out of garbage reserves. Mm. Yeah. It's it opens up completely new resource avenues which is really really interesting in terms of lowering our impact on the environment yeah but it, but i mean yeah access to, access to energy reserves yeah if you have if you have these these but it takes energy it yeah. takes a lot of energy you, you have to have energy real things, cheap yeah and you, have to, and you have to actually as a society decide on the cost you know you have to do things like externalize the cost or internalize the cost of co2 like people have to actually pay for pollution and then this sort of stuff would happen. Yeah. Or um, you just have these fucking massive, you know, whatever. You're like, oh, well, that's, you know, two miles underground. Fuck it. You have this whole thing that's just powered by fusion. Who cares? Just dig. Just dig. Operated by robots. They don't need, they don't have unions. They don't need insurance. Mm -hmm. Just fucking. 
it's dangerous down there. It's a thousand degrees. Fuck it. Just keep throwing them in there. World War One style. Just throw bodies at it until it works. It's with this. You can also make robots a lot tougher than humans. You know, yeah. they don't need to breathe. But, but yeah, exactly. They don't need to breathe. But yeah. And yeah, just yeah, coat them in whatever the hell you need. Just tungsten. Who cares? Osmium. Have them go down. Whatever. They don't need to be shaped as humans. Mm-hmm. They can be whatever you need. They can look like a piece of spaghetti or a sphere or whatever. So, but yeah, that's, I know we, yeah, I know we got like 12 more minutes left, but it's like, so one fact I didn't know is that China controls 90% of the world's rare earth metal trade, but they only have access within their borders to 30% of what's in the crust. So, I mean, that right there, look at that unbalance. They have, yeah, there's, they control two or 90 percent yeah i'm too stupid yeah and, ra- and rare earths are part of the reason things like rare earths are rather rare is that they're generally dispersed throughout the crust you don't get these good concentrations yeah. and they are you know they're they're less common than stuff like iron but yeah. uh yeah if you if you can eat the cost you can pull them out of all sorts of fun things like one of the projects i've seen proposed by the department of energy is to use waste from coal, you know, hundreds of years of waste from coal and what's called fly ash pits, which are horrifying. If you ever want to look up an environmental disaster all over the country, all over the world, these things are terrible. Um, You can mine them for rare earths because coal is like a filter Mm. and there's all sorts of weird stuff in coal. You can, that's why coal uh, emissions are radioactive actually is all the radium and thorium and uranium that's in them. Yeah. And wherever you, what you tend to find is wherever there's thorium and uranium, there's rare earths. Yeah. So I I just thought of something. It's very dumb, but I don't give a shit. I'm going to go with it. So like we, uh, I think his name was Gerald Bull. He was this guy in like the. Oh, the gun guy, the big cannon, right? Yeah. 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 Well, he he was trying, he was trying to build a, he's researching for the army, the idea of shooting satellites into space from an artillery gun. And they, they said it was physically possible. So that idea, that idea didn't die, man. There's some very interesting thing, work that was done um, in Sandia National Lab looking into that rel- about two decades ago. Yeah. Um, using coil guns. Yeah. Well, he, and, was eventually, he was eventually killed by the Mossad. Yeah, he was yeah. selling the ideas to Saddam. <laughs> yeah. He was building a super weapon. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. The co- so I know, some, I know some people who were connected with that work, and I talked oh, to them about really? it recently. And yeah, 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 science is kind of a small field. Yeah. Uh, this kind of science at least you find everyone's worked on everything yeah um or know someone who did yeah really cool papers um about the coil gun work that they did and they got them to be quite efficient mm. they're electrically powered so that goes right with fusion and um they they essentially came to the conclusion that it was 100 percent doable they'd need like a, cl- a couple kilometers to launch these little satellites or launch um yeah things like uh just metal or water or whatever up for use and the really interesting part with that sort of machine is you know it can't compete with like spacex when you're talking about launching stuff um you know more like complex and things but spacex can't launch a rocket once every 12 minutes yeah or whatever like they would you would build that thing with the assumption that you're not going to launch once a day or once a week you're going to launch Bop, 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 yeah. as fast as you can cool those coils down yeah so that's what i was like because they said like you couldn't launch complex stuff because it was just like fifty thousand g's they're like you couldn't yeah. launch anything of you couldn't launch a calculator because it would just 
Well, electronics have gotten pretty good. Have you seen the guided artillery shells? That's true. Those, they're that's coming out at 50,000 Gs. That's true. I stand corrected. But yeah, so what I was thinking is, is if you can just eat the power, I mean, shit. Well, I mean... I have one even I have one even better for you for eating okay. the power. I, like, I love the coil gun. It's yeah. a real fun way for launching. Well, I, I was going to say, just shoot nuclear waste. Try to get it out of fucking... Oh, world. no, you don't, you don't want to do that. Okay. Nuclear waste is valuable. It's, it's, it's money. Okay, well, I was just looking it's at... Money, baby. Okay, I was just looking at... Well, I was just thinking of anything toxic that you just got to yeah. get rid of. Recycle it. Just recycle it. And the thing I is, what if, if you're eating what, power. Yeah, what if it fails, right? If, it, <laughs> if the launch fails, then you just spread it all over the place. Or you're uh, it huh? failed. It failed. Yeah. Over China. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. That's why you don't want to do it. Yeah. Because that you know they'll do the same view. But yeah. there's another idea out of if, if you ever heard of Freeman Dyson, the guy behind yeah. the Project yeah. Orion. Yeah. He had another one that he really pushed for launch called Laser Launch, and the idea is this: you have a a craft, and there's a couple different versions of this, but you essentially you get this thing going up into the air. It just needs to be generally traveling. Um, slow speed doesn't really matter how you got it going there and you fire huge lasers like oh, sci-fi grade lasers on the back of this thing not a light sail okay and it heats up the air behind it and it's this has been tested oh, yeah yeah minutes. yeah yep. and it makes it's a laser powered jet engine and it pushes the thing up and these mon i mean you need to have like gigawatts of power yeah yeah but you have lots of free energy or cheap energy, yeah. right? Now the cool yeah. part is once it gets farther up, it either has onboard stored propellant or the lasers actually just burn the engine because it's not really an engine so much as it's just kind of a properly shaped piece of metal. They burn that and that finishes putting you into orbit. And Dyson's back of the envelope uh, calculations on this, and there's been a lot more work done on it, but his back of the envelope stuff was about 90% of your... Uh, rocket would be payload compared to nowadays where i think a falcon 9 is like one yeah, percent payload even yeah it's holy shit and the nice part being is okay so you have to build these mongo lasers it's just like the coil gun thing though you build them once and then you just fire fire yeah. fire fire, yeah, you, fire. You can eat the energy and the nice part is the g's aren't bad it's it you can oh, make yeah. it take off as slow or as fast as you want it's based on how the lasers fire shit so we could send out like generations send yeah you can send people that way yeah you can and it's it's nice because it also is environmentally friendly you think about right now we don't fire enough rockets for the environmental um you know impact to matter yeah but we scale start it up. yeah yeah scale it up you you start doing some of the stuff that musk and bezos are talking about the environmental impact is not going to be trivial. It is going to be oh, no. because it spreads it very high in the atmosphere. Yeah. The sonic booms from those big monster things are unpleasant, and the amount of fossil fuels they consume are unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you looked at like the Model T, and you were like, "This is, you know, this isn't a drop in the ocean for you." Yeah, it won't. It won't hurt. change was back yeah. then. Well, fast forward into every exactly. American's got a Ford F six fifty. Yeah, right now we're like, oh, you know, there's a launch every three weeks at you know from vandenberg and it's like well if you get to a point where it is now you know musk wants to replace commercial airlines with with rockets yeah sure yeah yeah but i mean just but let's say that yeah i know i know what you're talking about yeah about a long enough timeline imagine every you know you can see the flight trackers imagine every one of those was a rocket just burning a ton of fuel a second yeah Yeah, exactly that's not trivial 
Yeah, man. No, once once you once you unlock, you know, once you get energy cheap and common, you can do anything. Yeah. That's the that's the end all thought thought here. It's just that once you have that, the universe is your oyster. You can just you don't have to you don't have to look for cheats and tricks. You just keep pumping energy into the problem. It's like it's like playing like a sandbox video game. Like once it's yeah. no longer like you got to unlock stuff or get supply drops. Once you can just hit like, you know, pull up options and just spawn like a thousand Humvees or something. The, yep. the, lim- the limited reactant is now your imagination and your patience. But it's yep. not like you're playing a game, you know. It's like just cause. It's like you get these little thrusters and rocket. It's so funny. You can take out a dump truck or a speedboat and you can turn it into like a high flying aircraft. It's just your patience, you know. So that's what it is. Is it's Yeah, it's like if we and the the really annoying part is we're on the cusp right we already have most of the technology necessary to make it happen we could make most if not all of these dreams occur with fission Hmm. fusion is just like having fission but better it's like you finally you get to have your cake and eat it too yeah um but you know with fission and solar you can get basically all of this and we're just sitting here being stupid yeah it's the best way to put it yeah, it's, that's what's so frustrating. Yeah, it's. I mean, I just think of something, even just something like Starlink. Like, you know, is that the right? Is that the company? Star Musk. Is that the is that the SpaceX it. internet thing? Yeah, I mean, shit, dude. Again, if you could just eat power, just launch up thousands of those. You could have fucking six G, seven G in the you middle. Just, if you can just eat power, you can lay, you can lay fiber optic line everywhere in the world. Give everyone because yeah. give everyone you know alert 20, Canada. Yeah, alert Canada. You could be streaming 8K like nothing. It's you could just. It really is. It's. I know we got to go, but it's. What we need though is, how do we get it to happen? And yes, ideally we would do it because it's awesome, but it's never worked for humanity before. Maybe it's yeah. It's a political question more than a scientific question. Maybe it's the perfect storm. Maybe we can get Trump pissed off enough at China, and be like. Hey man, you could leave your legacy as the fusion president. You just gotta sow that. It would seed be a legacy. Shit, man! If you could, if you could sow that seed in his mind, just love him or hate him. If you could just use what's at your hand—that is his personality. Hey man, that was the that was the thing with uh, that was the thing I liked with Andrew Yang is he did talk about fusion, and I was like, well, yeah. I don't, he's a long shot, but if he ever got in, exactly. It's like that. I've said that before. I'd be like, regardless of my political leanings, I was like, if someone brought up fusion, I would drop everything else and be like, that's the because all of our little political quarrels wouldn't mean anything. Who gets what resources? You know, government programs or not, paychecks or not, uh, social programs. It wouldn't matter if it was energy, just yeah, energy printer go burr. Yeah, energy printer go burr. You want welfare? Fuck it, sure. You can have whatever. You can just have it three D printed, nano drop, run by robots, run by fusion. It's yeah, Garrett Bruhog. Thank you very much, sir. Been a ton of fun. I'll let's talk to you do later. Man. Please, hey, I'm gonna email you. Let's please do another one, man. I fucking sure. love with you. I, it stretches my mind. All right, brother. Be safe. Stay safe. Thank you for doing it, man. Peace.